Proverbs uh, chapter 1, the first seven verses, uh, hear the word of God. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The grass withers and the flower fades, uh, but the word of the Lord endures uh, forever. And we pray that it would be among us tonight. We're at the beginning of a new year and the beginning of a new semester and beginning a new series and a new book. And Proverbs here speaks to us about the beginning, about the beginning uh, of wisdom, the first principle and where we start in it. But I want to begin by asking you a question. Uh, who's the wisest person that you know? John Stone. <laughs> maybe a name comes immediately to mind. Maybe in this room, maybe not. Uh, maybe it's your brother. <laughs> maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your friend. Um, maybe it's your parents, or maybe pretty quickly go, not my parents. Um, maybe it's political leader. Maybe it's the president. And others of you are like, not this president. Um, maybe it's a friend. Uh, maybe it's a mentor, a teacher. Um, but but for, at least for some of you, if you think long enough, uh, a name will come to mind, and all of a sudden it's clear you know who the wisest uh, person is. And I think for some of you that name would be Dumbledore. Um, he had the master plan. He was working it all out. The things that he knew, the way that he, way that he loved the students, the way he took care of Harry, the way he uh, shaped him, matured him through all of these uh, things. Uh, who could be wiser than Dumbledore? So if you were going, wait a second, I didn't know we could use literary characters. That wasn't fair. I wouldn't have said my brother at all. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, John. Um, and you're going, wait a second, we can use literary characters. Gandalf? Really? Gandalf? Come on. Um, the things he can do, his understanding of every, about how everything worked, the, the years, uh, the staff, the power, the sacrifices, um, the beard. So then you have maybe a battle of wits between Dumbledore and Gandalf. Uh, who would win? Um, and in my opinion, both would win because they wouldn't waste their time on such trivial nonsense. They would become friends and share their knowledge and then further uh, develop the world. But, but before the face-off ends, I've got to bring in at least a third character. Maybe that would be the, the wisest. Some of you might think the wisest of all. At least shouldn't fail to be mentioned in, in such a... Uh, such a series, Master Yoda himself. <clears throat> I don't know, the three of those minds all, all together. Um, a lot of wisdom. Right, but I mention that to say this, you probably don't think of yourself as a Dumbledore uh, or as a Gandalf or as a Yoda. The proverb says uh, that it is able to make you wise. 
It says that that's what this book is for. That's what this book actually does. That's how God works through it, that it's able to make you a wise. It's, it starts off saying that. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king in Israel. This is why they exist. And the next several verses gives you this is why they exist, to do this, to do this. They exist in order for you to know wisdom or instruction to understand insights. They're able uh, to make you wise. Not shorter and greener with pointy ears necessarily. Uh, You don't have to change your inverted uh, sentences. Uh, Maybe not with a long white beard. Ladies, you know, you can have the long beard to the stroke or the cloak and the staff. Um, The wisdom in Proverbs most broadly is ascribed this way. This is understanding of wisdom. It's not this kind of ethereal idea of the wisdom and they just kind of know or understand everything. It's very practical. Uh, It's meaty. You go through those pithy sayings and Proverbs and they're talking about uh, daily life and how we live and the things that so so most broadly wisdom in Proverbs is uh, it's practical. It's it's the ability to live well. That's one of the ways that Proverbs, the wisdom in Proverbs has been described as uh, the ability to live well. It's something you do. It, it teaches you how to live. Put it this way. It teaches you how to live the good life and how to enjoy it, how to handle adversity, um, maybe how to be the best you that you can be or some of the ways that we would describe it, how to master certain skills, how to seize opportunity, how to, how to care for others, and, and on and on and on it goes. If you're, if you're walking across FSU's campus, uh, you might pass uh, Dodd Hall. And if you look up over the entrance to Dodd Hall, uh, the words are there. Uh, the half of knowledge is to know where to find knowledge. Well, Proverbs doesn't give you an enigmatic statement that leaves you puzzling and wondering, well, where do you find knowledge? Or is this the library or is it not the library? What classes do they teach in there? Uh, Proverbs waves the flag to you and says, here, come here. This is the place where you'll find knowledge. A true knowledge to, to know how to work in the world and how you live in it and what your place is and what your purpose is and what your calling is. Um, how to relate to others. Uh, it says, here is where you find wisdom in the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And not only can Proverbs uh, make you wise, uh, but that said also of the, of the whole of Scripture. Uh, a little bit later in the New Testament, uh, as Paul is writing to uh, Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, he mentions the sacred writings, or the, we'd say the Holy Scriptures. Uh, it says the sacred writings which are able to make you wise. The scriptures of the Old Testament are able to make you wise for salvation. He goes on to say, through faith in Jesus Christ. This this book, the scriptures as a whole, and and Proverbs can make you wise. I want you to get this from from the beginning as we step into this book. They can make you wise because they speak about Jesus. Uh, They're speaking to you of Jesus Christ as Lord and how we need him. Uh, how he is our wisdom, that God has made him our wisdom and our righteousness and our sanctification and redemption, Corinthians says, or how Colossians describes Christ as being the one in whom are hidden uh, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Speaking to you about Jesus. 
So these verses chart out for you a bit about uh, the beginning of Jesus. We're going to try to shape that as we talk about it around three points. Uh, Not stuck, uh, not alone, and not arrogant. That we're not stuck uh, where we are. Uh, 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 by ourselves to figure out uh, what wisdom we can, uh, we can gain. We're not, uh, not alone to try to determine wisdom, uh, but neither does it leave us in an arrogance um, as, it, uh, as it develops. might pass by the sign on Dodd Hall. It might just be uh, part of the questions of your life as you're looking for how to live the, the good life. Where do you look for wisdom? Uh, where, do you, where do you look? Maybe it's the, maybe it's the Twitter feed sometimes. Maybe not, maybe not. But, you know, Instagram, I mean, everything's prettier on Instagram, but there seems to be a little bit more wit and interesting things on, on Twitter. Facebook, you kind of just lose, lose hope on at this point. Maybe there's blogs that you follow. Uh, maybe it's a phone call home and, and talking to parents. Maybe it's friends that you sit down and talk with. Uh, maybe it's books uh, that you read. Maybe it's just going through things and trying to look back on it and say, what needs to change? How do I do how do I improve and, and grow through this? Where do you look for wisdom? Because in this book, Proverbs is inviting you. God is inviting you. Christ is inviting you and calling you uh, to himself. And listen, I mean that whether you, whether you believe this book and believe Jesus or not, it's calling to everyone and saying, come, this is the place where you find wisdom. It's like a big, you know, the letters written into the entrance of the building in a bigger way. It's, it's waving the flag and saying, this is where uh, you can be made wise. Here's the place to find wisdom. Uh, and here it tells us, uh, the beginning. So we'll try to walk through uh, these points, starting with this uh, first, that you're, that you're not stuck. That you're not stuck uh, without wisdom. Right? If it speaks of a beginning, uh, the great thing about a beginning is there's something new. There's a, there's a movement. There's direction uh, that it begins to go. It's not stagnant. It's not uh, stuck. <clears throat> I think that's one of the things that we... You know, I, New Year's resolutions... I hate New Year's resolutions. I try not to make New Year's resolutions. Um, some of you may, may like, but there's something about New Year's resolutions that even if you don't make resolutions, you still kind of think about whether you ought to or what things you would make. If, th- there's this great thing about a, a new start and a new dimension that we go, where could things go from here? This feeling of not just being uh, stuck in the stagnant pool of some of the things that we haven't wanted, uh, the, the ruts that we've gotten into. Uh, but looking for a different direction or faster movement uh, that's going somewhere, that's going towards the things that we want. In these first few verses, that's, that's what they describe. They describe uh, a wisdom and maturity and how it develops us and changes us and grows us. And the rest of the book will go on into more details of what that looks like, all the different areas of insight after another area of insight. It speaks to relationships and finances speaks to temptation. Uh, it speaks to diligence and laziness or how you use your time. It speaks of uh, faithfulness and debt and relationships and on and on uh, and on. Um, and how it leads us through those things in wisdom. But at the beginning, there's so many things that we start off not knowing. We kind of have to recognize that, too, that there's instruction that's needed, that we need something to develop us, that we're not, we're not there, so that we're not uh, stuck. We start off not knowing so many things. My son, uh, Thomas, some of you uh, have met or gotten to be around. I think he's pretty great. Uh, he is, uh, as of two years ago, he just turned 18 months. 
Um, so he now has as many uh, months as some of you have years. And uh, man, he's, he's awesome. He's a lot of fun. And he's, he's come a long way. Still hopefully a few things that he'll, he'll learn. Uh, he's walking now. He moves pretty quick when he walks. It'd be rather hard to catch if you uh, turn your head for a few seconds. He's already several yards uh, away. And I'm really proud of him for like, for walking, he can go up the stairs if there's just a couple stairs, down the stairs, a little trickier. Runs into things a lot, still falls a lot. Um, but I'm hoping that he'll still uh, improve a good bit in the area because he's, he's starting. I don't want him to get stuck where he is now. But it's kind of funny to imagine that. <laughs> um, because, I mean, the way he walks now, like, gets excited and his arms go up. And his walk, it's not like a straightforward walk. It's more like a waddle back and forth. Um, if he's 18 years old and entering college, <laughs> that's still how he walked around. Um, it'd probably be kind of sad, but very funny if you know no one's feelings would get hurt. Um, thankfully, hopefully, he's not going to get stuck uh, with the present gait that he has now uh, when he when he walks. Now listen, uh, you're not stuck. You're not stuck when you are. You're in the middle of a process. And Proverbs is calling to you in the middle of that to not stay where you are, uh, but to, for it to advance you in a different direction. Uh, and that's something that's true about every time in life, but it's especially true in, in, the, in the stage of life as a college student. I describe y'all as college students that you're adults who are, who are learning to be adults. Right? Like sometimes you're not sure whether to call yourself like a college kid or, a, or a, a, like you're not. You wouldn't, I want to say you're a grown-up. Yeah, but then you still want to like claim some of it. Um, you're adults learning to be adults. But, but like college life in general is kind of known for the excesses that later in life would be more frowned upon. Right? Like if, if you're in your 50s and you sit around and play video games for like 15 hours in a row, um, it's uh, way less, uh, far less socially acceptable than right now you can like oh yeah it's a new game like i come over and play it sometimes there's still like a general okay this is part of part of our world thing um so sure the big headlines are always uh you know drugs been drinking hookup culture whatever um but even just take like sleeping patterns right? like hey let's stay up till four o'clock in the morning because i don't have class tomorrow or i only have one class tomorrow um and like what are we gonna do we're going to stay up till 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and it's, it's so much fun. And you'll have a great time with it. And I, I'm, I, I love that about college students. But, um, but then the next day, like, you're like, I'm so tired. <laughs> and you look around in your classes. You know, when the professor's giving the PowerPoint and he starts going through and the lights dim. <laughs> and, like, half the class is like, oh. <laughs> I remember going to one of these kind of conferences when I was a college student, and I was so excited about the person that was speaking, the topic that he was speaking on, and it was, you know, Friday evening or something, and I'm at the church, I'm listening to this guy, and I was nodding the whole time. I don't know what the guy talked about, because uh, I just stayed up all the time. I hadn't figured out, like, oh, sleeping patterns kind of... Ma- if, if you get stuck in that pattern, though, that's going to be detrimental to later life when you have children who get you up in the middle of the night and, and all, all these things. Um, if you want to have some good examples of, uh, of just the don't want to get stuck in this point in college life, you ever pick up the FSVU and look at the police briefs? They give you great examples of, uh, of some immaturity that's still waiting uh, to, to develop. <laughs> um, 
Thomas isn't going to be a toddler for the rest of his life. Um, you're, you're not stuck just where you are right now. Uh, and things that go way beyond um, sleeping patterns and study habits, though it addresses those things too, or finances and relationships and dealing with your parents or dealing with um, someone that you're dating or married to or interested in uh, or friendships, people that you have a hard time with. It speaks into, speaks into all those things. Uh, it speaks, if you look at these verses, it gives you the general idea of wisdom. The rest of the verse is going to develop this a lot. Wisdom, instruction, understanding words and insight that you get to be like Dumbledore or Gandalf, like seeing how these things go and realizing what, what you're supposed to do. But it speaks about practical living, righteousness, justice. It speaks about justice and equity, the way that you look at the world around you and say, this is not the way it should be. It's the way that you hear stories on the news or there's things that you see and you want to do something uh, about hunger in the world, about, uh, about trafficking, about whatever different things. And these are the principles that go into that. It speaks of it. It's fascinating that it speaks both to the wise. As the wise here, they increase in learning. Uh, it also speaks to the, to the non-wise, the simple. Uh, some people would translate uh, simple-minded, right, or, or translate as the gullible. Those who, who don't get it, who don't understand, it speaks to the youth, uh, to, the, to those who don't have experience to, to know that wisdom. It gives them that prudence and discretion that come with, with years. Uh, Proverbs is able uh, to develop you uh, in, in, a, in a bigger uh, sense. It gives you hope for growth, for maturity, for future, for encouragement, hope for yourself, uh, hope for your impact on others in the world around you. Listen, sometimes I get tired of who I am. I get tired of seeing the same mistakes, uh, the same failures, um, the same problems that I go back to. I think sometimes we see our failures or we just see our insecurities and we go, why are they still there? And if you hear at least this much that Proverbs is saying, you're not stuck there. That this beginning to this book is calling you into something new that develops you and develops you in that and beyond it. We're not just left hiding and hoping no one notices. Um, <clears throat> we're simply trying to become good enough that they're gone. Uh, in fact, it brings uh, to us uh, the very spirit of wisdom, uh, the spirit uh, that filled Christ that Isaiah speaks about uh, is a spirit that is working in this word and through it that's able to change. And it calls you to that hope. You're not stuck. You're not stuck without wisdom. Uh, secondly, uh, you're, you're also not alone. You're not alone uh, to determine wisdom. If you look at verse uh, 7. I think too often we act like we're just on our own to gain wisdom for ourselves. It's how you deal with the experience that you, experiences you go through and what you gain from it uh, that matters. Maybe sometimes we prefer to just be on our own. But Proverbs would look at that more like starting a new job and deciding not to go to the, to the mandatory introductory week of training. Like, ah, I don't need that. I'm just going to show up. I'm going to show up and I'm not even going to bother reading the email or the job descriptions of what I'm supposed to do. And showing up at the job and not even meeting the boss who's giving you the job of what you're supposed to do. And just look around and say, what do I think needs to be done? Here's how I'm going to operate in this. 
That, that's too often how we start to, to act and, and to operate. Uh, and Proverbs calls us to something different. It says we're, uh, we're not alone um, <clears throat> and we shouldn't act like God is, is irrelevant for how we live, for our relationships or our finances or our sleep patterns or our time or what we're living for, hoping the good life will get us <clears throat> and how we find ourselves on, our, on the way. Here's the beginning of wisdom and knowledge, and it is completely tied uh, to relationship with God. Living the good life has to do with relating uh, to the God who, who gives that life. The way Proverbs puts it, uh, verse 7, as this uh, principle for the whole book is, is continuing to expand on, repeats it again and again, uh, the fear of the Lord. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, I think when we hear fear, it's kind of difficult for us to know what's Proverbs uh, saying here. Uh, it's, it's very instructive that it, that it uses that. But there's two sides to the meaning, and both are essential. I think what, we, more, we more quickly think of being scared. Like this, oh no, uh, God's going God's to get me. We're afraid of God. But that misses the other side of, of how this word is meant, which is, speaks of, of awe and adoration and respect and, and love. That's a, a quote by uh, John Murray. He puts it this way. He talks about the fear of God being a reflex in our consciousness. He says the fear of God is the reflex in our consciousness. He uses big language. The reflex in our consciousness of the transcendent perfection which could alone warrant and demand the totality of our commitment and love and devotion. Here's what he's saying. Um, and, and, and being in relationship with a God who is so transcendently perfect uh, beyond us, it reacts in us in a, in a fear of God that is both um, total commitment and obedience to him, but also love and devotion and admiration of who he is. Um, it, it, it's interacting with God in the, in, the, uh, in the perfection of his character. Try to get it, it, those two sides of it a little bit, if it, if it can help you out, hopefully. Um, Maybe I'm sure some of you saw uh, over the holidays, I saw the um, uh, Taylor Swift video of her um, sending Christmas presents to some of her fans. You see this? Um, she like went and you know, some of her fans, she like tracks her fans and like went through their Facebook to see some of the things that they like. And she started boxing up stuff uh, to send to her fans to wish them a happy Christmas. I the video is like Swiftmas or something, right? Um, and uh, so it just, it just has videos of a few different people opening this and some that she goes out uh, to see and, and deliver it uh, themselves. But, but you, you know, whether you've seen this video or not, like how fans react, uh, Someone they look up to that much that then comes into their world, is interacting with them, sending them something, or that they're meeting them. Right there. They're all struck. Uh, there's these girls who like don't know how to control their body or stand right. It looks like they're convulsing. Uh, either they're entirely speechless or their voice is like at a pitch that mostly dogs hear and start yelling in the distance. Um, because they're so overwhelmed with it. Um, and it's, it's incredible, right? But this is, this, uh, they are, they are awestruck, right? You know that it's love and not that they're afraid of Taylor Swift, uh, cause of their admiration, but the, but the reaction looks very similar. They're completely overwhelmed and awestruck that he, here's this person that they look up to, admire, and now they're interacting with him. Uh, she's there. She sent, uh, these things, um, uh, her, her fans, adore her, 
Uh, they, they worship her. They, they learn the, th- the words that she says. Uh, they sing uh, her praises. Uh, they follow her. Um, they emulate her. And it's all kind of scary in a different sense because Taylor Swift is not the, most, the wisest person that you, uh, that you know. But I hope that can give you some sense of this, th- that awestruck love adoration and respect of someone they see as beyond them uh, that, that gives you some, some little peek and entrance into the, into the uh, idea of this, the fear of the Lord and his wisdom. Um, that in seeing, seeing him, we're all struck by who he is and that he would interact with us. Uh, this one who's so transcendent uh, beyond us. Now, the other side of uh, the fear of the Lord is that aspect of, you want to describe it as terror or, or dread. Not just in a sense of afraid that God is going to get you, but a recognition of the magnitude of his power. Scripture says the one that created uh, the, the world uh, with, his, with his word um, and continues to uphold it all by the word of his power. Um, it's a recognition of the magnitude of his power and, and his justice, uh, the extent of his righteousness and justice, a standard of, of perfection. Help you get that a little bit. If you've been keeping up with the news uh, lately, um, uh, some of you have, others of you might still be willing to pay the $6 to stream the interview uh, and be able to watch the movie that was for a while at least cast out of uh, theaters because of the uh, terrorist threats supposedly from uh, North Korea. But you would still pay that $6 because you don't really respect that, that terror threat. So nothing's going to happen to you. You're, maybe it's an interesting movie. But probably most of you uh, will be far less likely to post uh, mean comments about Muhammad or mean pictures and things of Muhammad because there's this little part of you that wonders... Who would see that and what might happen to you? It's a different aspect of, of fear. Now, now, God's not a um, vindictive uh, and insecure, power-hungry ruler or terrorist or oppressor. Uh, God is holy. Uh, he's greater than us in every way and perfect. And he's all-knowing. And he's all-powerful. And he's extremely just and his standard for what he requires is perfection and it doesn't take us looking at our life very long to know that makes me scared of him there's a fear if i recognize his actual character i think so much in our culture we uh, run away from that and and avoid talking about that way and i think some of it's because there's been so much um uh, fear tactics and manipulation of fire and hell, brimstone, get people scared, and then trying to get them to follow Jesus. Um, that's not ever how scripture uh, does things. Does it talk about the reality of, of who God is, though, and his judgment and his holiness? Yes. And if we step away from the, from the fullness of the justice and power of God's character, we're missing out on the greatness of who he is. A fear that, that produces both admiration and respect and submission. When you read through scripture, when God appeared to, uh, to people, they're, they're overwhelmed. They're scared uh, for, their, for their lives. 
Uh, they knew that they couldn't stand in his presence and it deserved death. When you uh, read maybe the giving of the law in Exodus, they've already seen God's power bringing them out. But now he's given them the law and they're gathered around the mountain. And it's at first the Ten Commandments are given by God's voice speaking in thunder with the earth shaking from the mountain. And if you read the account of it, the people come to Moses afterwards and say, don't let God talk to us anymore because we can't take it. Let him speak to you and you speak to us because it's too much for us to hear him. We'll die if we hear that again. Understand a fear of God and his character, his holiness, and his justice. Uh, when Isaiah has a vision of the Lord's uh, holiness in Isaiah 6, <clears throat> how he responds to seeing it is, is right, it's accurate. He says, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Proverbs is calling us to that fear of the Lord that's both adoration but also our respect and understanding uh, the, the magnitude of God's power and his justice. Now listen, uh, the fullest picture comes not in the Old Testament but in the New Testament. It comes at the crucifixion of Jesus. I think there and there uh, more than anywhere else is where we begin to understand uh, the fear of the Lord. Says Jesus in his shame, uh, being ridiculed, uh, being mocked, being deserted by his friends, uh, is nailed uh, to a cross, uh, condemned, uh, condemned to be executed to death. And the skies are dark, and the earth uh, quakes as he calls out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he breathed. Uh, his last, and he endured uh, death and endured God's judgment against the evil of our rebellion. And there we begin to see uh, the fear of the Lord because there we look and say, this is what we deserve. Uh, here we see his justice enacted. Here we see one standing in our place but experiencing uh, the, the consequences of what we've done against God. Against our lack of love for him or others and even our running against him. And we see the penalty humanity deserved that Jesus was, was perfect. And we learn what it means to fear the Lord. His power, his justice, his holiness. And it's also in the crucifixion of Jesus on the cross that we see the other side of what's meant by the fear of the Lord, that we see most fully the beauty and glory of the character of God's goodness, of his love, how that he did not spare his own son, how but gave himself up for us, gave him up for us to, to rescue us. Because he wanted us back and he was willing to restore us into fellowship, but not to violate his character to do so. To do so uh, through justice, punishing sin, and then bringing us through Christ back into his family, into relationship with him. That Jesus was willing uh, to suffer agony and death and rejection from the Father to bring us back to his Father uh, in fullness of love. There, we're overwhelmed. There, we're convulsed. We don't know how to hold, hold our body. Could this be how God would care for me? That, that thou, my God, would die for me? We sing in the, in the, in the hymn sometimes. <clears throat> um, we're overwhelmed with awe and adoration and love at the character of a God so beyond us who would still come to us. 
and love us without reserve. We're not alone to determine wisdom. Wisdom is experience in relationship with the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is relationship with the Lord where we begin to understand who he is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Not stuck, uh, not, uh, not alone, but also gives us warning, not, not arrogant. It ends, fools despise wisdom and instruction. One thing I love about Proverbs is that Proverbs is always recognizing that you're making choices. That you're the one making those choices. And what it does is teaches you about those choices that you're making and where they lead. It teaches you about both sides. And sometimes it's, it's helping us actually realize that we're making choices of what we'll look to what we'll ignore, uh, what words will matter in our life. <clears throat> it's important to, to actually make those choices and not just let them happen to you, and Proverbs brings that out. And here what it does is warn you of the danger of despising this wisdom and instruction. All right, sometimes that's outright refusal. Uh, sometimes that's even opposition to the idea of God. But also sometimes it's more subtle. It's just downplaying the, the importance of it. This is another wise book. Jesus was maybe another wise man. Or sometimes just ignoring it. Uh, other times I think we do despise it uh, simply by preferring other things. <clears throat> what we would spend our time with. Who, who wants to hear about fearing the Lord? That's, that's hard things in that. Uh, who wants to be mature? This is college. You're, you're long, young. You can be reckless and live it up and enjoy it now. Save the maturity for, for later on. Um, who wants to face the, um, to learn to face the pains of, of reality? Um, when you could just scroll a little further down Facebook or Instagram or starting a new series on Netflix to take up your mind and ease your, ease or dull your pain. And, and Proverbs exposes some of the arrogance of the dismissals. Uh, that we, that we in that suppose that we already know enough. I already know enough, I just need something to, to relax me. I already know enough, but I, 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 I've got it figured out and I'll go my way in it. So I'm not saying you just need to pretend that you agree with this. Um, but explore it. It's calling you. It's inviting you uh, to learn and gain wisdom. Um, if you're not a Christian, not sure if you're a Christian, I would challenge you to be open-minded enough to, to explore and take up this book and to consider it. Um, right? If any other book had the kind of influence, uh, even historically, that Scripture has had, be at least kind of interested. I mean, when the Lord of the Rings movies came out, or The Hobbit, you kind of thought about, maybe you did, read The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Uh, the impact that this book has, it calls us to, <clears throat> uh, to at least be interested in it, to give it an open read and say what's there. To ask God to show you, is he real? Uh, who is he? How, how could you relate to him? What does he have to say uh, for you? Read Proverbs. Maybe pick one of the books of the New Testament to, to read it and see how God answers you. Uh, for those of you who, who embrace Christ and see yourself as Christians, the same challenge. To, Proverbs calls you further uh, into it. How often do we allow other things to guide our behavior uh, more than Christ? Uh, how quickly... Other people's opinions uh, consume us with worry uh, when we don't even look to what God's word uh, says. But to ask God for wisdom, to gain it, not just coming up with these principles or saying, here, I learned all these different facts or this thing really spoke to one thing that I was doing. In relationship with God and the fear of the Lord, 
that he is so much beyond us and yet has come so much to us that we would know him, fear him, loving him, and following him. The proverb invites you and calls you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction.